Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe you consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air and become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today and thank you welcome to real ghost stories online call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com you are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead this is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, two listeners give their separate accounts of a haunted Christmas gift. However, these listeners do not know each other and are not sharing the same experience, but they both receive the same item. After a trip to Alaska to help a friend, a man soon learns that he is no longer welcome at the friend's home. What is it? that the man is accused of and why did it continue after he went home several states away. Unnerving sounds can be heard at night in an Australian dojo. Could this be the spirit of a little boy who died in the building? And a reclusive grandmother is tormented by things watching her. But could her mysterious past be catching up with her? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. I'd just like to say, I got a little bit of support I see on the message board. For what? For something that you uh, you always scold me about. And you're always like, stop, 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 before I even begin. Which thing? It says, I avidly listen to the show. Revisiting one where Tony and Jenny were talking about Music from the 80s and 90s, and Tony broke out in Michael McDonald's voice of I Keep Forgetting. Oh, good grief. Oh my gosh, I broke out laughing so loud, so hard inside my cubicle here at work that my co-workers thought I was choking to death. LOL. You guys are so funny. Poor Jen, you have your hands full. Best. SB. Yeah, I kind of do. It, it was funny the <laughs> first few times, and now it's just I haven't like, done it all that much on the show. I do it in regular life outside of yeah, the show. That's, that's why you're about. sick of it. But our listeners, it's a brand new thing. It's a cornucopia of Michael McDonald hits that they've yet to experience. You know, it's as I like, break into them midway through a story. It's like discovering you have a disease. It's just one thing you could do without. <laughs> it's like discovering you have a disease. Yeah. So you're comparing Michael McDonald's music to a disease? No, I'm not comparing Michael McDonald's music to a disease. I'm comparing your impersonation of Michael McDonald singing to a disease. 
Is it more of a disease or like more of a syndrome? It's like a plague. Okay. So pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Like locust type plague or? Like biblical kind of shit. Yeah, that's locust. Yep. Yeah, that's locust. What else do they have in biblical plagues? There was locust. There was. The river of <clears throat> blood and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of fun stuff. That's kind of what it's like. That's, I don't quite go that far. No, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, I'm glad we, we know where we stand. Yep. More Michael McDonald coming up next after weather. <laughs> That's radio right there. There you go. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, of course, you can always uh, write into the website as well at realghoststoriesonline.com to share your real ghost story that way as well. And good news. Uh, the wait line, it's getting shorter because, uh, well, like we said yesterday, Halloween season is over. So uh, that uh, massive influx of stories that we get in around that season kind of eh, simmers down a little bit. There's still plenty coming in, but it simmers down. So the wait of like 30 to 60 days to uh, to hear your story is, is, is getting lower. It is. And can I add something? Yeah. If you have submitted a story and for whatever reason you haven't heard it, you might try submitting it again because mm-hmm. it may have just fallen through the the cracks with the whole internet thing. Them internet webs? Yep. The internets. It's stuck in the webs. In the webs. So yeah, uh, go ahead and uh, resubmit if, uh, if you're wondering if your story has not been told yet. And keep in mind too, uh, some stories do get told in our EPP episodes as well, so be sure you're an EPP so you don't miss any of the stories as well. And uh, we do kind of try and make sure that the EPP episodes are loaded with really top-notch stories. Yeah. We, we really do. So so there's some really, really good stories uh, in those episodes. Just another reason to be an EPP, because that's an episode you're going to walk away from every week going, damn, those were some good stories. Yeah. So uh, so be, be sure to check that out. You can sign up to be an EPP on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you listen to, you know, I don't know, more than five episodes a month and you really dig the show, you know, it's only five bucks a month to be an EPP. Uh, and that gets you, uh, you know, all those bonus episodes, and it covers our cost for producing all the daily episodes of the show. So really, you get like twenty-five or so episodes a month of the show for five bucks. It's like breaks down to like a quarter or less for sixty minutes of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a pretty good value. And I mean, seriously though, uh, this is a show that really is funded by you guys, and uh, you guys keep us alive. So please do uh, help support us and keep the show going because we love doing it, but we can only do it. With your support, uh, and uh, and now with that being said, here's a musical number for. No, it's like NPR. Now, <laughs> now we're gonna stop, and <laughs> you're gonna do it even more now that you know that somebody likes it. I was just making an NPR reference. It wasn't going oh. to Michael McDonald. Uh, Brittany writes in, "Hi Tony and Jenny, I'm from Traverse City, Michigan. I lived there. I actually lived in Petoskey, a little bit north of there, but." Yeah. Beautiful place. Uh, and I love hearing from all the towns around here on your show. And I get a kick out of Tony when he mentions our winters here. Yeah, they're hellish. And she says they sure are brutal. I'm going to take you there this summer. Um, and it's, well, you won't see the winter there, but you'll enjoy summer. We should go there in winter sometime. And you can see exactly what I was speaking of. Uh-uh. I don't want to go in the winter. I don't want to go either. I never want to go back there. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Um, continuing on, you guys asked about toys for Christmas time. I'm sure you guys remember Furbies. These things are just creepy to begin with. One year for Christmas, I got a Furby. The thing scared me so much, my mom decided to put it in the garage, but the damn thing would still sit there and talk. 
That's creepy. It's not stopping. It's talking. Yeah. So eventually, she uh, took the batteries out, and the thing still talked. I can't remember what it was saying, but I do remember it was a bunch of words that I hadn't or wasn't allowed to say as a child. I think all Furbies are haunted. I also had a Barbie car that would drive by itself. But that one, I think my mom was just messing with me. Thank you for the amazing job you do on your show, Brittany. P.S. I have a photo I keep trying to email the two of uh, two ghost faces at Sugarloaf and an old shutdown ski resort, but it's failed four times. Not sure what that means, but I'll keep trying. I would love to see that. I believe I have heard of that resort. There's actually some ski resorts up there that are abandoned. Oh, really? Yeah, there's. it's a great skiing area. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I learned to ski. I was actually just getting into skiing when I moved here. Uh-huh. Um, but there's tons of great skiing up there. But being that there's like 15 resorts within the area, um, you know, eventually there's a couple that kind of hit the shits and fall apart. Okay. But uh, there's some really good ones up there. Should I read this next one? Does this tie into it? Is this the... I think you should read the next one before we discuss okay. Haunted Furbies. Okay. Devon writes in, Hey guys, big fan of the podcast show, Thingamajig. I recently watched your Haunted Toy Story video, and it sparked an experience that I'd like to share. And since Christmas is coming up at the time of this telling, I thought it'd be wise to take this opportunity to tell you my tale of Christmas Furby Frenzy. This is interesting. These stories kind of came in back to back. They were about six hours apart. It's weird how that happens. I even checked the IP addresses to see if it happened to come from like Mm -hmm. two people using the same computer. Like I'll write my point of view and you write your point of view. Sure. No, completely different. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So continuing on with this. It all started back in 2006 on Christmas Day. At the time, my little sister had received a Furby from my aunt that same night. Needless to say, my sister was ecstatic after opening it and went upstairs to play with it in her room. I had to follow her upstairs due to the fact that she was scared to go alone since everyone was downstairs. As we got upstairs, nothing out of the ordinary happened, so everything was all good until my sister had placed the Furby on the dresser in her room with the Furby facing the window. Then we both went downstairs to join the rest of the family for dinner. Nobody went or was upstairs before or during dinner. After dinner, she and I went back upstairs to her room to talk about our gifts and such. I opened the door, and to our shock, the Furby was facing the door, eyes open and all. It was just staring at us as if it were expecting us. It probably was. Needless to say, it freaked us both the hell out. I still don't know. Or don't get to how our house isn't haunted all the time, though. But ever since I became closer to God, I've been experiencing things here, like shadows darting out of the corner of my eyes, visions and dreams of God. And at uh, at a time when I was uh, possessed to a point of destroying my own Bible and prayer journal. I'll tell you more later. I have some drawings to work on, and... As soon as uh, you uh, upload the Spirits in the Air video to YouTube, I'm going to draw you some fan art. I'm not an EPP, so I wasn't lucky enough to see it. I'll need to become an EPP. If we get some fan art, we're totally hanging that in the office. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you are an EPP, you do have access to that uh, uh, that video that is posted up there. And we send uh, the direct link out every single week. Okay, back to the Furby thing. 
Okay, so <clears throat> different stories. Yeah, but six hours apart. Two stories about Furbies of all things. How random! I know. I mean, we get stories. It, it, it's odd that that has always happened on this show, even before you were on it. Mm-hmm. I'd be sitting in here. I, I even told you, but like, I did the show tonight. And there were like three stories that were all about haunted bathrooms or, you know, whatever. Insert theme here. Sure. And it wasn't designed to be that. It was just just reading stories off and this is what I got. Uh, It's so strange how that has always happened on this show. It's like, it's silly because I kind of go to the everything happens for a reason type, you know, argument. But at the same point, it's like, well, what the hell's the reason? (laughs) I don't know. Furby stories, you know? I always freaked out when I saw, I didn't, I didn't freak out. Okay. But I didn't like Furbies because they reminded me so much of Gizmo from Gremlins. Okay. And that did not go well. So I never had a Furby, never wanted a Furby. I don't even know what a Furby's supposed to say or do. It says a lot of gibberish. Okay. Um, I had a Furby as a co-host for a week. <laughs> you did? On a show. Um... <laughs> Who else can say that sentence out loud? I had a Furby as a co-host for a week. Um, it was on my first uh, station. I was This was the first incarnation of the Furby in about 1997-ish. Okay. I think we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it was the big toy of that year. It was like impossible to get a Furby. And they were going for like, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars uh, in classified ads. Yes, classified ads. I think eBay did exist. I think they were going on eBay. But this was long before Craigslist. No Craigslist, no Facebook, no social media, nothing. But there was eBay. Um, And it was eBay, early eBay. Um, So it was the gift to get um, without a lot of outlets to get it. So the radio station found a way to get some Furbies. And we we figured out, okay, we're going to do this, give this away uh, after I have it as a co-host for a week. Um, And... and Having it as a co-host, I tried to teach it words and stuff, and I never got anything out of it. I was just constant. That's basically what it did. It, it said on the box that you could teach it words. I don't know how the hell you taught it words, because I never got it to say anything coherent at all. Mm-hmm. It was just like, weather next. Okay. That's all it did. Um, anyway, so they are kind of bizarre, because they do kind of spark up and start talking whenever you kind of least expect it. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes their their inflection seems to make sense for like asking it a question. It kind of replies back with a statement, or sometimes it just you know how a tone should be back and forth with someone. Yeah. The yeah. Furbies tend to have the tone. Huh. It's weird. Anyhow, this has nothing to do with paranormal, but uh, the the way that we gave it away was uh, it was like, what would you do for a Furby, uh-huh. essentially. And everybody wrote in uh, or emailed in what they would do for it. And the winner that year uh, said that he would drink 60 minnows. Huh? The fish. Minnows. You know, bait. Ew. And he went down to the bait shop, got 60 minnows, and he drank 60 minnows on the air. And did not die, mind you. That's gross. Yeah. And he got the Furby. Was he okay after that? I yeah, mean, he was fine. He I was... didn't know if anything would happen. No, I mean, I, I I don't know how healthy that is. I'm sure probably your stomach chemicals or whatever, you know, kind of acid probably kills them. Sure. 
So it probably it's it's probably not that much worse than you know sushi, but um, it's still wiggling. That's just well, wrong. well, it's wiggling and it's not necessarily cared after as well as uh, you know high grade sushi. You know, meat would be. It's literally I got it down at a place called Dutch's Trading Post. Oh yeah, which was your local bait shop on Lake Winnebago in Wisconsin. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he drank them, and Ew. he got the Furby. It was fun. It was one of those wacky radio things, you know? yeah. But that was previous or prior to the uh, the DJ who ended up killing someone uh, when they drank all the uh, milk on the air. Um, Are we hearing about that? No. There was a DJ who uh, it was a morning show bit. It was uh, "Hold Your Wee for a Wee." Okay, was the title of the uh, the bit, and. Uh, it was essentially you can't pee, and they—I think they had to like drink a gallon of milk or water or something, and uh, they did it, and a woman essentially drowned herself, oh, drinking the liquid and died. Morning show eventually disbanded, fired. Yeah, didn't work out too well. He landed in a little town. What? <laughs> He's a DJ in our city now. Oh, oh. I'm not even kidding. Do you, did you ever watch Gremlins? I always thought those Furbies looked just like the Gremlin. The the cute fuzzy one. I've never seen Gremlins. I had a Gremlin coloring book. Little factoid. I know what they look like, but you're right. They do look like Gremlins, kind of. The voice of Gizmo mm-hmm. was an up-and-coming actor named Howie Mandel. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I've never. Is Gremlins a good movie? Is it a. It's scary. Just. Well, not real scary. Not like scary, like our show scary, but it's just kind of gory horror stuff. It's a gory horror movie? It's not terribly gory. It's just. (laughs) It's Gremlins. It's changing every time I ask you. It's Gremlins. I can't say anything other than that. (laughs) It's really scary. Not really scary. It's really gory. It's not gory. It's something that is just almost comical. Okay. And something to watch sometime. With the kids? No. Okay. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Rob writes in, My story happened when I helped a friend out. I met him before his health began to deteriorate to the point he requires a wheelchair these days. But we brush it off saying he uh, gets gets us the best parking when we hang out. He moved to Alaska back where his parents lived and asked me to help install a few things for him to make it easier for him to be mobile. I had to remodel areas around his house and backyard so he could access them while in his wheelchair. His family was wealthy and had other places to fix up, like a really nice cabin for me to install some ramps and a few rails on the bathrooms and such. It only took about a month to get all the work done. I did it all for free, but I had to get back home because... I only had a limited amount of days off. I was told that I should have enjoyed a vacation there. Most of the time I was working or catered uh, to my buddy's needs instead of any hunting or fishing. Still, I don't regret a moment. He called me up to complain about a few things. He said that I was being rude to his mother, and I joked around here and there, but I never disrespected his mom when I was there. It struck me as odd. The entire time I was there, I treated it like being at work. I mentioned that I was too busy working. Maybe I came off as rude a few days, but there was no way that I did anything to offend him or his family. Then he told me that I was opening and closing doors. That's what set her off and made her upset. 
Well, I didn't install a single door or was around her much. She lived in the upstairs addition to the house, and I never went up there because I was tending to my friend's needs. We didn't talk for a few months, and I respected his reason behind it all, but I still thought that his mom was going senile. He's a very religious man. When he finally decided to call me, he said that his mother thought I was a local contractor and apologized to me because she had mistaken me for somebody else. I and he both knew I was back home from another state, so it would be impossible for me to still be there. She still insisted it was me who did it. She saw someone who resembled me who would walk by and slam doors in her house. She actually told him I was no longer welcome to be there again. Never lived in that state, so I didn't care at the time and told him not to invite me again if that would be the result. Not only did I spend my vacation time being there, but I did the work as a favor to him. I was a bit heated and reminded him of everything since he was willing to speak to me again, and it was then he apologized and thanked me because I did a good job. The, the question still remained, who was the guy that was upsetting his mother? This continued. She was complaining on a daily basis that some man was slamming doors in her home. She'd yell for him to cut it out, but it happened. That friend of mine would get told not to invite people to go in her house. I even had to call her cell phone to let her know that it wasn't me that did it. And one time I called her, she finally had to admit that it wasn't me who did it because she was on the phone with me when she said it happened again. I'm aware that some people become traumatized after they witness some crazy stuff, but she still doesn't want me on her property. I still think she may just be senile, at least this way. There's an excuse for her never making me feel welcome there after all the free work I had done for a friend. Either way, thanks for the show. Go Packers and F the Dallas Cowboys. So I wonder how much of a resemblance there was between this gentleman and the one the mother thought she saw i don't know i mean i i think you know somewhat of a resemblance if she's gonna think that it was him that was you know pulling these things yeah because i'm wondering if it was a doppelganger kind of thing or if it was just a coincidence that this spirit happened to look like him sure you know or or just uh essentially kind of bad eyesight you know and you're looking at a ghost and you're thinking it's someone else which could be yet i mean you could be old age playing in with paranormal sure we're like okay that's a male figure there was someone working on our house doing construction who was male brown hair ghost is brown hair must be the same guy right you know something of that nature maybe depending on the age of the mom yeah yeah Interesting, and, and I could see it being, you know, her being kind of reserved, though, on having him come back. It just because it may have, you know, been fairly disturbing to her that even if she knows it wasn't him who was doing it, but the fact that it began when he was there, that maybe she somehow associates this person with the events, like triggering them. Well, maybe he didn't trigger it so much as the work he was doing on the place. Sure, not not intentionally sure. triggering it, but exactly, the events that unfolded and what he did triggering the events. So he's guilty by association. Essentially, yes. Okay. Yeah, which which does make some sense. It does, if you don't understand how all this works. Sure, sure, I can see where she's coming from. Going, not that we understand how all this works, but just... No, but reasoning with it in her mind yeah. going, 
Okay, I know it's not you, but you were here when it started, so you may have something to do with it. I don't know how or what, or right. I just don't want you back. Right. I know. All right, very interesting. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Your support, of course, is what makes uh, our show grow and helps us stay alive. And if you're a listener on iTunes, a review, some stars there would be very much appreciated. The uh, the five seconds it takes for you to do that uh, does a tremendous amount of good. Uh, in our world as far as getting more listeners and helping our show expand. So if you don't mind, give us a little review there. If you'd like us there on on the iTunes, out there on the internets, on those intelligent phones. Okay, I don't have anything to add to that. You just kind of rolled your eyes. Yeah, I did. Let's go to a call. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. Um, I have a story for you guys, and this comes from my dad. Um, He's not very technologically savvy to call in. He didn't know what a podcast was when I told him about you guys, but um, my dad is a very business-minded guy. He doesn't joke around when it comes to business, you know, very, very business-minded. And so when he told me this story, I know that he doesn't really make a lot of stuff up. So when he told me this, I was pretty surprised that happened. So basically, my dad owns a couple of companies. He's a big entrepreneur, and he loves working for himself, and, you know, um, So he has a company that uh, buys properties. Um, And usually what he does is he'll try to save, like salvage them, because he buys old, old houses. Or if they can't salvage it, they'll just gut it and modernize it. So it just depends on the building. But this happened a couple months ago. um, And the only reason we got on topic of it is because it happened again last weekend. And my dad was telling me about it because he knows I love paranormal stuff. Well, anyways, to get to the point, um, he was working on a house that was built in 1901, and in our area um, where we live, it's a very historical house. It's uh, widely known. Um, It used to be a couple of things before that. It used to be an antique shop. It used to be um, actually a governor of our city's house at one point for a couple of years, so it's had a lot of history, and it's seen a lot of things, you know, walls could talk kind of thing. Um, and I think having it be an antique store before kind of had a little bit to do with the activity in the house. But basically what happened was my dad was running late, working late, excuse me, um, on the house that he had. And um, he ended up just spending the night because some of the bedrooms are done and he had some blankets in his car. So he figured since he has so much more to do, he'd just spend the night because the house is about 45 minutes away from his. So he gets ready for bed and uh, closes the door to one one of the bedrooms, and he's by himself. He does have a business partner, but uh, she was out of town at the time, so it was just him in the uh, house. So he said that as soon as he laid his head down to go to sleep, he was about to fall asleep, and then he heard a tapping on the door. Well, since he closed it, he didn't figure it could be anyone that he knew, so um, he just ignored it. And so when he tried to go back to sleep, he heard it more kind of persistently. And so he finally got up and opened the door and there was no one there. It was just complete darkness, you know, no light in there because this is an old house. It didn't have any central heating, didn't have any air conditioning. It didn't have any electricity at the time because we're still redoing everything. So there was literally nothing on that could be on. And he still heard this tapping even after he went to go check the door. 
and it was a three taps. So that kind of worries me too with past uh, podcasts that you guys have talked about the three taps. So um, I basically uh, was listening to his story, and it goes on to the fact that um, he kept hearing the tapping, and there was no one there. So then the next morning, um, his associate calls him, his partner, and she was coming home that day uh, from being out of town for another business-related venture. And um, he told her that uh, he spent the night there. And she was like, "Um, are you crazy? (laughs) What are you doing spending the night there? And uh, he was like, well, you know, I was working late. I had some drywall to rip up. You know, I just decided to stay late since I had so much stuff to do this morning, you know. And she's like, every time I spent the night there, I feel like someone's watching me. And every time before I go to sleep, I hear three taps on the door. And he was just really stunned about that. And um, it's kind of funny and ironic because it's going to be a rental property. So um, I'm going to have to tell him about your guys' show where you guys talked about um, those laws and specific requirements to tell your tenants about because this building's haunted. I mean, it's seen so many things and I refuse to go in it. I've been in it once when he first bought it and I was only in there for five minutes before I started getting freaked out. So thought I'd let you guys know about that. I thought it was pretty funny because he's so business minded and for him to like have, have him tell me something like that. I know it's true. So hope it makes it on the show. Love you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling and sharing your story. I don't know that the laws exist uh, for rentals. No. I could be wrong. Probably depends on the area and the state, because they are state laws. Um, but I believe it applies mainly to purchases of homes, not necessarily I'm going to rent an apartment. And you, I, don't, I don't know that you need to disclose it if you're renting somebody. Have we discussed specifically, I mean, I know we've talked about psychologically impacted properties and mm-hmm. stigmatized properties, yeah. but have we talked about what it it requires to deem a property as haunted I mean other than people that live there know it's haunted I could walk in there and tell you it's haunted but I think I believe there has to be a physical event that occurred it can't just be there's ghosts yeah Um, I had ghost hunters over it's haunted now Um, I believe some sort of physical event that actually occurred Um, not a haunting event but like a murder or like the DeFeo house, the Amityville house, stigmatized property. Yeah. Um, and it would be that without any of the ghost stories, without all of that happening to the Lutz family, it would still be a stigma, stigmatized property just because of the murders. Um, if it was, let's say there was no murders in that house um, and just ghosts and just the ghost story came out. I don't think that's technically a stigmatized property because there's no proof of any sort of traumatic event ever happening in the house other than people saying something. Okay. Um, I believe that's how it works. Again, it's a state law thing, so it does vary a bit from state to state as far as what classifies as a stigmatized property. Um, in some states, you don't even need to say it's a stigmatized property. It's just a property. Right, and and I, I get what, you know, would classify a home as a stigmatized sure. property. I just didn't know what has to happen to classify it as haunted other than the homeowners living well, there saying, oh yeah, we have some things that's the going thing. on. I, I don't believe it's ever classified as haunted. Okay. It's it's only classified as something really bad happened here. Okay. I don't believe that the stigmatized property ever states haunting. It just states traumatic event 
sure. provable traumatic event, um, not ghost story. I guess I thought that we had come across something where people were starting to sue previous owners for selling a home that was haunted, knowing that it was haunted. Um, that I, maybe I, didn't necessarily have a traumatic event there, but it was sure. still haunted for one reason or another. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I, I really don't. I mean, I know there's cases like that mm-hmm. where, where the homeowner did know of some sort of tragic event, never disclosed it, and then there's been lawsuits in that case. Uh-huh. I don't specifically know, and I'm not saying that there couldn't be, there probably is, um, cases where someone did sue someone who said who did not disclose the house was haunted, maybe they had investigators over or something like that, but nothing traumatic ever happened there. I don't. I doubt that goes very far in court. Sure. Um, but I'm sure that probably does this. I don't know, though, any specific cases of that. I'm sure our listeners do, though. I'd like to know yeah. if anybody does know about that. Put it on the message board or yeah. or email us and let us know. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to find more, more of that. Because there's so many variables with that whole topic, mm-hmm. you know. Joel writes in, this is about the very first encounter I've had with this demonic entity, a hooded figure. I was four years old when this took place. My parents were living in a trailer park at the time in a small town in Oklahoma. It was night and time for bed, so my parents had laid us kids down in our rooms. My sister had her own room, and us boys, me and my two younger brothers, had our own room. My mother had come into our room to tuck us in after leaving my sister's room. She tucked my baby brother in his crib first. His crib was on the right side of my twin-sized bed. My other brother was on the left side of my bed, and I was in the middle. Then she proceeded to tuck in my other brother before tucking myself in. While she had kissed me goodnight, she put the sheet over me and the blanket was on the foot of the bed. She told me if I got cold that fall winter night to pull the blanket up if need be. I told her okay. She then started walking out of the room with my dad in the hallway. I asked if he could leave the hall light on. In this case, the light was a black light that gave off a purple glow and he did. Well, that's an interesting color to have in your hall light. That doesn't make anything look creepy at all. Not at all. Or does it like show off all the stains or anything like that? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe they were like, it was fall. Maybe it was for Halloween. You know, who knows? Just for fun. They then walked across the living room into their bedroom, turning out the lights as they went out. A couple of minutes had passed by both of my brothers. Uh, and both of my brothers were fast asleep. Though I was still up and uh, staring into the darkness of the living room through the hallway. I put my blue sheet over my head, as children do when scared of the dark. As I was lying there under my sheet, still staring into the hallway, a hooded figure, the figure was darker than the darkness in the living room, void of all light, that came floating through it and into my room and stopped at the door. I was frozen in fear. My eyes could not seem to break away from where its figure's eyes should have been, if it were to have any. Still staring... I then saw two more figures float out of this one's figure's body. One figure went to the right side of the room, and the other floated to the left side. At this point, I knew they were looking at me, as if they knew I was awake under the sheet. I lay there as calm as could be. After what felt like as if it were about 30 seconds, the figure in the middle moved its arm to a tall, slender clothing dresser that was beside the entrance to the room. It then grabbed it and tilted it as if to push it over. I thought this, too, to be peculiar, considering none of the drawers fell out. It propped the dresser back up against the wall, then it turned its head in both directions of the room as if it were telling the others it was time to go. 
They floated back to the main figure and disappeared into the darkness. Then the main figure floated back into the darkness of the living room. After I thought the coast was clear, I pulled my blanket from the foot of my bed and covered myself from head to toe, not wanting to see that thing again. The next day, I tried to tell my parents about what had happened, but they chalked it up to being a bad dream. I knew that what I saw was far from a dream. I've seen the hooded figure a couple more times since, but that's for another story. Okay, I know that it was a really scary experience and it was a hooded figure that split off into two, but I don't know that I would call it demonic. And I know he calls it demonic in this story. It's hard to define it as that because it didn't really do anything super negative. Right, and unless in the other stories yet to come yeah. that we find out maybe it does. Maybe there's more to it. Yeah. I'm, I have a thought about how these things are so dark. You know how just colors in general are really just a reflection of all the light around it? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the the shadow figures are literally sucking the energy light from our field of vision. Mm-hmm. You know, like, almost like a prism. Okay. Um, and it's like a negative prism, essentially, and that's what makes it so dark, because it's literally sucking every color around it into itself, energy-wise to manifest itself and that's what makes it so dark and that's why you don't see anything else around it a lot of times you just see the dark entity and everything else is kind of a blur because it's it sucked all those reflective lights from around it into it huh oh yeah Bill Nye science guy-ish yeah I could see that did you ever see the shadow guy episode of Bill Nye there wasn't one no there wasn't (laughs) but there should have been there should have been but there's not that's the key Amanda writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I love your show, and I'm uh, writing to you from Wellington, Australia. I've been uh, training martial arts for 10 years, and I've been teaching for five. This particular story happened about two years ago when I was staying at one of the club uh, dojos. I'd heard stories in the building. It was haunted, but didn't really think much of it. I changed my mind after staying there for a week. I experienced several things during my stay. The first was hearing someone running across the mats late at night when no one was there. It sounded like a child as the steps were light and quick. I also heard someone skipping rope. Again, this happened at night when it was just me. The creepiest thing that happened was at about midnight, and I was just drifting off to sleep when I heard a loud bang from the change room next door. Needless to say, my heart raced. I sat in the dark, listening listening hard. That room was completely empty. It is used by students to change into their uniforms. There's nothing in there that could have fallen over. I pulled my head out from under the blankets and shouted, Go away, I'm trying to sleep. I didn't hear anything else and went back to sleep. I'm not the only person to have things happen to them. Sometimes, when it's quiet, one of the boxing bags will start swinging on its own. There's no wind and the bag is too far away from the air conditioner to be affected by it. Also, one particular part of the building is always very cold, even in summer when the temperature gets to 45 degrees Celsius, which is really hot. I was later told that a little boy died after hitting his head back when the building was an ice rink. I think it's the boy who pushes the bag and runs across the floor. There's supposed to be an old man there, too, who hangs out near the bathrooms where the cold spot is. Thank you for reading my story, and I hope it wasn't too long. No, it wasn't too long, and I would be surprised if it wasn't the little boy haunting that building. Still going around, 
playing with things and mm-hmm. doing things that little boys do. Yeah, very much. Yeah, very much sounds like it. It's sad. It is. You know, it, again, I, I go back to why, you know, why does it take someone or from, from this side a lot of times to, to intervene and help them move over? He probably is just confused and doesn't understand what's going on and sure. where he's at. You know, he probably was too little to have learned very much about ghosts if he had an interest or sure. the process of going towards the light. You I know? wonder if there's only like a small window where you can go towards the light. Like, does the light window shut off eventually and then you're just kind of stuck? And I, it, and then, I don't think it does. And then that's where the human intervention comes in and reopens the gate? I don't know. I don't think it does. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, I'm just throwing questions out there. Do you mean as far as when, how long they have to cross, or you mm-hmm. think, okay. Like when you die, do you have a short window to cross when the light's there, or what, you know, what they call the light? Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, you're stuck until it is reopened by someone on this side intervening. I could see that. That would make more sense to me. Right. As nonsensical as it is that they always can go ahead and cross they just have that short window where it's just like hello here's the go. exit yeah. go yeah. I don't know I, yeah otherwise you need somebody's help I get that that seems because that's that would answer the question of why they just continue to wander until it seems someone on this side comes in and intervenes mm-hmm. you know? I don't know uh, if you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You've heard us talk about that several times, I know. But that's what keeps our show alive, our EPPs. If you enjoy the show, please support it. Five bucks a month gets you a bonus episode every single week and access to all of our bonus episodes, which uh, in this next episode or this next one that we send out on Saturday, we'll have a total bonus episodes on it. Uh, 16 if you count the brand new one that comes out on Saturday, so you can sign up right now at realghoststoriesonline.com to be part of that. Tim writes in, may this email find you well and in good spirits. Best wishes to you and yours. I have another story about this 108-year-old factory. To follow up on some of your questions, these buildings have been owned by one family running the same business all these years. It is run now by the fourth generation, the fifth soon to follow. It's located in an old Rust Belt part of town next to the town's original railroad tracks. This part of town was under 20 feet of water in the Great Flood of 1913. There have been hundreds of people come and go over the years. I'm not far behind them. There's been employees die tragically off-site, a double father and son suicide in the family. Another guy was stabbed off-site. One guy died a couple weeks after he retired. It's a good bet someone had to die in here after all these years. This is a great place to work. It pays well. The owners are righteous people. I say this because people do not leave here. We do not have a high turnover. Right now, the average seniority is about 25 years. We have a high hiring standards now, but at one time, this was not the case. Remember when I was young, starting out here, some of the men could barely read or write. Many of these men were uh, lifters or lifers. Uh, They worked uh, long overtime hours, spent most of their working hours in here for years. I mention all this because it is my feeling that these folks have become attached to this place forever. Perhaps their ghosts or their life energy. One quick story recently is we lost an employee on Valentine's Day after a long illness. The next Valentine's Day, a fellow was uh, logging onto the computer system 
when he scanned on his employee badge, the name of the deceased employee's name came up on the system on the anniversary of his death. Some of the hauntings resemble the habits of the past employees. For example, one particular employee had a habit of banging metal together if he thought people were talking too long and wasting time. We've heard uh, banging a couple of times and folks are near his old working area and talking. Metal banging is heard coming from nowhere. My story tonight is I was working on a weld job in the basement. It was late. I had four or five pieces of heavy metal lying on a weld bench. They weighed about 30 pounds altogether. I expectantly got called away from the basement to another building. I was gone about an hour. When I returned, I found the metal pieces thrown on the floor. There was no one working in that area that night. There was no way the heavy pieces fell off the table by themselves. It had to make a terrible noise if they fell unless the mischievous spirit took the pieces off one by one and laid them on the floor. We have factory lights with motion sensors that turn off the light if no one is in the area after 15 minutes. Many nights I look out into the darkened factory to see the lights come on one by one as if someone in, as if some invisible entity is walking down the aisle. There are other stories I'll share as time goes by. 99% of the time I am not scared and do not feel threatened. 1% of the time I feel scared and can feel something following me down an aisle breathing down my neck. Then I say the prayer of St. Michael and in Our Father and it goes away. Take care. Bless y'all. Tim. How's my y'all? It's kind seemed, of pronounced. Seemed more natural than last night, but... Take care. Bless y'all, Tim. Better? Yeah. Okay, good. There. You're, you're getting your taxes on. Thank you. So, could you imagine sitting in your office and you look out and all the lights are coming on? No! And, and uh-uh. I couldn't either. Just the imagery of that was freaky. No. I cannot, but that t- makes total sense. I mean, when you have a building that old, that many people in and out, he's exactly right. There's bound to be deaths there. And, well, and the dedication. Right, right. And Tim's written in before mm-hmm. a couple of times. He had the incident where he was going around checking all the fire extinguishers, and there was a new mm-hmm. one he didn't know about. And the place where it was was magically unlocked from the inside and left open so sure. he could check it. And then the hidden sign that he was getting ready to laminate. It's a fairly haunted building. It sounds like it. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's anything real ominous, just kind of, here I am, look at me. I think there's probably some residual stuff going on there, Mm -hmm. and probably some conscious stuff, just folks still wanting to hang out at the place they loved being. Yeah. If you're going to spend your life working in a job, I mean, in some cases it's torture, but in a lot of other cases it's not. You know, it's just, you know, you you have an affinity for it, and you... You have pride in your job and some things like that. You just, you know, you go back to it. Yeah. You know, so that makes a lot of sense. Ryan writes in, my great grandmother spent the last few months of her life complaining to all who would uh, listen to that things were watching her. She was terrified of death and ghosts and spirits. She lived in an old folks home and suffered horrible dementia. It was rough, but... She was an interesting woman. She led a strange life and raised my grandfather on her own. He had a horrible life. She had many, many men come in and out of her life, and my grandfather suffered. His upbringing was so unstable that he refused to talk about it. My great-grandmother was a large woman who enjoyed a drink and was uh, quick to anger, so my family made visits few and far between while growing up. She was shunned from get-togethers for reasons I never knew. 
Then in the 90s, she disappeared. That one seemed to worry, especially my grandfather. In the early 2000s, she came back. Her story was she found a man and moved out west with him. Not soon after her return, her health turned and we put her in a home. She never talked about her time away and no one seemed too interested. It was all, I was always intrigued. The dementia kicked in right after she moved into the nursing home. She lived there a few years. Then the talk of things watching her started. She would say things sat over her while she pretended to sleep. Evil things, she would say. Dementia is a bizarre beast itself, and the few people who visited her definitely didn't care about her stories. Not long after she passed away, about five years later, my grandfather, then in his 80s, passed away. That's when things got weird. My father, who was power of attorney over both estates, started getting phone calls from detectives in British Columbia. It turned out my great-grandmother had married three times out west. Each time, the man died. Suspiciously. She was a suspect in all three cases, until inconclusive evidence and autopsy reports cleared her. My grandfather had been contacted during all this, but kept it to himself, having already been hurt by her too much. What's worse is my parents informed me that her original husband went missing and was never found. To this day, my family believes she personally killed four husbands. I've always wondered, were they the things she saw as her life slowly slipped away at a nursing home? guess we'll never know. I would think maybe so. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably lean towards yes. It's your avenging husbands that she murdered. You know, you never think about serial killers having, like, children and grandchildren and stuff. You That's a fun thing to talk over about, you know, when you're having meatballs and ham loaf at Christmas. Remember her great grandma and all the people she murdered? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's... <laughs> hey, is that watermelon punch? It's just an interesting thought, you know, because sure. most of the time you just, you think of them as the lone drifter mm-hmm. type that has nobody attached to them. Mm-hmm. You don't think about finding out that your long, you know, gone relative is actually a murderer. Well, and the thing is, what's what's interesting about it is she could, she produced probably a fairly normal family. Yeah. And they're just all doing their thing. And they look back on this, literally, I'm not even joking, just thinking of, hey, we're talking over the ham loaf and talking about the kids in school and this and that. And yeah, grandma probably killed four people. Yeah. You know, and that's probably just kind of how it goes. It's so absurd, but it is what it is. It is the family history, but that's not who those people really are. They just, they don't, you know, be defined by it. They just kind of... <laughs> it's I do, just part of what it is. I find it very interesting, though, that most of the time the family is the last holdout to mm-hmm. convince that somebody committed these crimes. But they're all, like, on board saying, yeah, she probably killed the original yeah. husband, too. It is what it is. That's pretty telling. Sure, sure. Well, it's it's, it's funny when you look at, like, uh, if you do any research on family histories or anything like that, like through, through ancestry or anything like that. Didn't you have, like, a great, great, great grandfather or something that was oh my gosh. questionable? Yes. <laughs> or something? They packed up and moved. This was my great-grandfather's father. They packed up and moved from one state to here, mm-hmm. and they did it in the middle of the night because he was accused of murder. But here's the thing. He had such a hot temper and his personality was such that whether he did it or not, he was not going to get off from that. Sure. Because there was multiple witnesses to him stabbing a mule in the ass with a pitchfork. (laughs) 
So somebody that would do that, you just never really know about, right? How do you know about that story? Was that on Ancestry? Was that like no, one of the letters? No, the, these are actually stories <laughs> I know of from my family. So A mule in the ass? Yep. With a pitchfork. Yep. And so, you know, somebody with that kind of temper and so, violence. So, you so did you did you know about the murder from your family or the murder accusations or was that? Dis- yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. In fact, there's nothing on Ancestry to back that up. That is just okay. why I know about it. But okay. back in the day when they did move, yeah. it wasn't something where it could easily be tracked from one state to the next. Sure. So without the stabbing mules and pitchforks and the accusations of murder, probably wouldn't be here today. I don't know about that. If you trace it back for them getting mm-hmm. and then setting down roots and having family. Yeah, I guess because a mule got stabbed in the ass, I'm here. That's special. Isn't that neat? <laughs> you could. I mean, it's funny. You can like look at any little incident in life and then go, oh yeah, that's why I, you know... Because there's so many just mundane things that influence major things in life. Well, I just did a research project last semester, and that's where I actually found out that my heritage on my dad's side is actually from this area. You know, I Mm -hmm. was born in Texas. I knew my dad grew up here, but my grandfather had been in the military, so I didn't realize there was actually, like, roots that were set down and generations that had been here for any amount of time. Sure. I thought it was just a stop along the way, and that's where he grew up. Okay. So, yeah. No, fleeing a murder case. That's how... There you go. We came to Kansas. That's special. Yeah. I came here to work at a country radio station. <laughs> country Western <laughs> radio station. Ah, uh, yes. Kate writes in my family, which uh, was my mother, father, and my younger sister at the time, and I moved into a small tract house when I was seven. I have many stories about this house. I'll just share a few. Whatever uh, is in my house seems like uh, uh, seems like uh, seems to like teasing my father. When I was younger, my mother and sister went out grocery shopping. My father was doing some yard work in the backyard, and I was doing homework in the living room. There was a pounding on the front door, and I opened it to my very frazzled father. He was convinced. I locked the door from the laundry room that leads to the backyard, and I was in big trouble. It could not have been me. I had not left the living room the whole time. It could not have been my mother or my, my sister. My father went to work in the backyard about a half hour or so after they left. It could not have just been shaken or locked or something, as the lock was a door chain and has to be manually locked by a person from the inside. Needless to say, I could not make a good case for myself and was in trouble. This would happen to him over and over, even when no one else would be home. Replace the door when the laundry room was renovated with just a regular lock, which still locks itself from time to time. I have older siblings, and they moved out a long while back before he, before we moved into this house. They would occasionally bring their kids to visit. One day, my father walked in my room asking if my brother dropped off one of the boys to visit. He then grumbled about them being rude, didn't even say hi, and give them a hug or give a hug to Grandpa, just running off to the back. I was confused. My brother had not been by in days. When I told him this, the color drained from his face and he left the room. This boy has been seen multiple times, sometimes by my father, sometimes by my brothers. He's even appeared in the dreams of people who have stayed over, like cousins and friends. 
I've not seen him, but he has been described as a young boy, about six or seven years old, with neatly combed black hair, parted down the side, wearing a button-up shirt and jeans, which is why my father thought he was one of my nephews. My mother does that to all of my nephew's hair when they come over, and one of them was about the same age at the time. I have a few more stories about the boy and his friend, the man who appears in my house. Thank you for reading my letter. I'm a huge fan of the show. I guess if you're a ghost and you want somebody out of your house, one way to do it is to lock them out. That makes sense. I feel bad for her, you know, constantly being in trouble for locking the door on her dad when Mm -hmm. it really wasn't her. Sure. You have to take the blame for the ghost. I guess so. (laughs) Jenna writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'd like to share an experience that my mother recounted to me about some strange noises in her building. It is not as creepy as many of your stories, but I find it pretty interesting nonetheless. When my parents got divorced, my mom moved into her own place in Boston for the first time in 25 years. She bought a hip loft in an old warehouse that had just been converted into condos. There weren't many people in the building when she had moved in, and she, as uh, she was one of the first to buy. There were a couple people on her floor, a few upstairs, a few people on the first floor. Sometime in the first year she lived there, she would complain to me about her neighbors running back and forth in the hall. She didn't know who they were, but she said they sounded like kids. It happened during the day and sometimes in the middle of the night. She never saw anyone, though, because by the time she'd get annoyed enough to go to the door, they were gone. Other times, she complained that her downstairs neighbor was hitting the ceiling, her floor, and bothering her. She thought she sounded like they might be throwing a ball up at the ceiling over and over. She didn't know who lived below her, though, and so she figured she'd wait out the annoyances. I thought nothing of these complaints until I met a couple at the party two years later. They were telling stories about strange occurrences in their apartment. They said they would often hear children's laughter and children's running in the halls, but no one was around. Little things would be in the wrong places when they'd return home. The strangest thing they described was coming home to find children's handprints in paint all over the ceiling of one room of their apartment. They'd been painting the room earlier, but neither of them had made the prints. They were definitely children's prints. I thought these things were a bit creepy, so I asked them where they lived, and it turned out they lived directly below my mother. The thing that makes this story weird to me is that my mother does not believe in ghosts. She blames the neighbors for the noises of running in the hallways. She thought her downstairs neighbor was crazy for hitting the ceiling. What she was really hearing was children making handprints all over the ceiling. She doesn't really believe the couple's story, although she can't seem to explain what the noises were. The couple moved to a different apartment in the same building and hadn't had any issues. My mother also stopped hearing the hallway runners. I'm not sure what the explanation would be for that, but she's happy that she's no longer bothered. I hope this story was interesting. Thanks. I think painted handprints from children on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't bother finishing the painting. I'd be done. Does that classify as paranormal? Yeah, I think so. Not a normal occurrence where we walk out to the other room. Oh, Harper, how did you get your handprints on the ceiling, silly girl? Yeah. <laughs> Even if there were a child in the home, that's just for There's no explanation for that. No. No, not at all. That's very creepy. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write into the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Matt writes in, Hey, guys, just learned about your podcast a couple months ago from a co-worker, and I've been addicted ever since. 
wanted to email you about an experience I had seven years ago in Italy. I'm in the Air Force and uh, was stationed at uh, Aviano Air Force Base near, near Venice. On November 8th of 2007, a Black Hawk helicopter crashed during an incentive ride. Many were injured and six died, three of which were friends of mine. Five of them died pretty much instantly, but the last held on as long as he could and let go on the operating room table. Two days later, on the 10th of November, we were celebrating my daughter's first birthday. It was nice to have a reason to celebrate during such a sad time in our lives. It was a pink party. We had plenty of balloons, but we held on to six of them because we were planning to release them the next day with special messages to those that died so recently. Kind of a way to say goodbye and help them on their journey into the next life. The morning that we were supposed to release the balloons, however, we had a very strange experience. I was lying in bed trying to fight off the need to wake up when I heard the, lo- uh, the latch on our bedroom door click. At first, I thought it was one of our cats trying to make their way into our room, as they were known to do, but that's not what I saw when I locked up or looked up at the open door. There in the hall were five of the balloons tangled together. I was a little freaked out for some reason. I mean, it was just balloons, right? Regardless, I fought off my fears like any sane person and pulled the covers over my head and went back to sleep. Felt like someone else was in the room, but they backed off at that point, maybe because they knew they were freaking me out and that wasn't their intention. Later that morning, when I fully woke up, I left our bedroom and noticed that the balloons had settled on the floor of our bathroom right outside our room. I didn't feel any weirdness from them anymore, just that they'd been placed in an area where they couldn't be avoided. I went downstairs to get some video uh, game time in before my wife and daughter woke up. The last balloon was down in the living room with me. I was hanging at the top of the, it was hanging at the top of the ceiling, but while I was playing, I noticed it slowly drop. I figured it was losing helium, but then I saw that it started to move down the hallway and up the stairs toward my bedroom and the bathroom where the other balloons were. At the time, I didn't try to hurt my brain by thinking too much about it, mainly because there were no blankets around to hide under. I tried to tell myself that it was just caught up in whatever stray breeze that was moving through the house that caught the other balloons earlier. Now I think that was my friend who made it all the way to the operating table and was just catching up with the others. Later that day, we released the balloons. I told the story to my wife and also woke up when the door to the bedroom opened. She said she had that uncomfortable feeling that you get when someone is in your bedroom that doesn't really belong there. She thinks that They just wanted to make sure that they all had a proper send-off. That's the only story I really have, but it's confirmed in me that there must be something on the other side. Whether it's some sort of heaven or other metaphysical experience that we'll never really be able to wrap our brains around. Thanks for the reading, Matt. Okay, that is the second, excuse me, freaky balloon story we've had on this show. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Is it something taking the balloon and moving it, or is it something like possessing the balloon, for no, lack I of think a better term? I think balloons are probably a fairly easy thing to move with little energy, mm-hmm. so it would make sense that it'd be a good object for a ghost to manipulate. Yeah. And it's probably just them kind of with energy moving it. I mean, you could move a balloon with static electricity. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, 
you put your hand on one side of the balloon and keep walking, it will come with you without you actually grasping the balloon. Mm-hmm. So I would think that it's actually a very good object for a ghost to manipulate. I'm, I'm surprised. This may sound kind of silly, but that balloons aren't used in more ghost studies or investigations. Yeah. Just as an object to manipulate. Because you put other things out there like turn the light on, do this or that. I think a balloon would be right there in there with that. Like, Although there's probably a lot more variables to that where it could be a stray breeze that can move the balloon, whereas a light changing colors or something is not so... That's that's what I was about okay. to say something along those lines because I think you can easily move a balloon whether it's the ghost doing it or just some kind of natural occurrence. Yeah, shot that idea down, didn't we? Well, <laughs> I did too. I'm not saying you did. We we both kind of did. Yeah, but it, it, if you could control the environment more, mm-hmm. you know, if you could really control breezes and such. It'd be a good object, but the thing is, a lot of times investigations are done in a lot of older buildings, really, where there's a lot of stray breezes going on. I think I would probably write these stories off a lot more, the balloon ones, if they weren't accompanied by that odd feeling, mm-hmm. you know, where the the people, it's not just like, oh, there's that pesky balloon. Sure, or they, the door opening or other, other yeah. things happening around them. Right. Yeah, I agree. Phone number to call is 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. And again, please support the show if you like it. You enjoy the ghost stories you hear here every single day. Uh, please consider becoming an EPP. We give you a bonus episode every single week as a thank you. And you keep us on the air. It's only five bucks a month. So please help us out. Keep us going if you like the show. You can sign up to be an, a- an EPP on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.